Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Well, we have with us today, Julie Traxler. We are excited about Julie joining us today. Julie, along with her husband, Corey Harris, they co-founded SB Pace, a boutique firm with the passion for Main Street America. Welcome, Julie, to Earrings Off. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. It's really a pleasure to be a guest with you, too. So looking forward to the conversation. Well, so are we. So, Julie, why is it important to document and define your business's processes? Oh, I love this question. It's a shame Corey can't be with us today because this is really his area of expertise. But business, like documenting processes is so important for your business because it really, it helps you to find inefficiencies and it helps you to improve the overall business. It improves the value of your business. And it really helps with the customer experience and it gives you better training material when you're hiring. Even if, if you don't have employees yet and you're ready to hire, it makes it easier to train them up once you get them in the door, if you've got your processes documented. But we always tell people that having a business process, having your business processes documented is it's a form of continuous improvement because even for the things that are working well, if you can document what you're doing and then take a look at it, you're probably going to find in find ways to improve um, inefficiencies, which is really like found money in your business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what? That's so true because I can, with business owners, I can hear some of them saying, you know what? I'm too busy for that. <laughs> I just don't have time. But so what would you say to business owners to get them to understand, um, you know, yeah, you put in this time, but of course the, the benefit. Of- Lou, this is probably the most common conversation yeah. that we have with our, with clients or with potential clients and just small business owners and entrepreneurs it's the hardest turn for them to make to go from being founder driven to being process driven. It's, it requires not only desire to do it, but commitment and intent to get it done because it's a little bit of an uphill climb to go from being completely founder driven to that process driven business, but the rewards are so worth it. They make that, you know, if you can, if you can find it in you to set aside or to understand that for the next 60, 90 or 120 days, that it's going to be, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to like really grind through some difficult, like long days to get to the other side of it. I think most entrepreneurs realize on the other side of it is this huge reward of more time freedom and a more profitable business. Both of the reasons that we go into business, right? We want to have time freedom and we want to be profitable and doing this exercise really helps with that. But most people are not committed to doing it when they first start thinking about it. The the pain has to be really intense for them to get there. That's what, that's what we've found. 
Right. right. And you probably you probably see um, a bit more success when they do uh, when business owners do take the time to sit down and define those processes. I would oh, 100 percent. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a very um, it's it's rewarding. Like, I think most people look at processes and think that that's like the boring part of of a yeah. business. And, you know, one of my my favorite quotes is by author Tim Grover from his book, winning, where he says, winning is boring. And it is, it's just the repeat of activities over and over and over again. It's just consistency and having documented processes gives you that consistency and it allows you to step into winning and profitability much more and much sooner as a business. Wow. I haven't, I haven't heard that quote, but thank you for sharing that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the co- common pitfalls startups deal with? <laughs> um, I can tell you the, some of the common ones that we dealt with some of the, like <laughs> our own personal experiences when we started SB Pace. First off, we had this notion, and I think a lot of people fall into this where they think if we build it, they will come, right? So we've yeah. got this great idea and everybody's yeah. going to think it's amazing. And so we're just going to, you know, kind of do a little bit of back end work and then hang our, uh, we're open for business sign and everyone's going to be lined up to, to, you know, give us money. Oh, so not true. <laughs> First off, you have to tell them that you're there and you have to really find your niche audience or your niche customer. Yeah. So yeah. defining the customer is a huge one. I think the other one, this was probably the hardest lesson for me to learn personally. Mm-hmm. And it's a double-edged sword is that support never comes from where you think it's going to come from, right? We talk about that all the time. <laughs> so it's true. crazy, right? So you're yeah. thinking your friends and family are going to be all yes, in support. Do. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they don't care. They're they like, don't. hey, I hope you're successful, but yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. By the way, how is that thing you're doing going? <laughs> Right, right. Are you still doing that thing? Yeah, That's, yeah. Are yes. you, Julie? That is so true. Yeah, that yeah. was so hard. I w- I found myself really resentful and bitter of people, and <laughs> I had to really like work hard to get over that. But you know, the other side of that is that you meet this beautiful network of new people who are on the same or a very similar journey, yeah. and they're going to give you support. So you're going to have this whole new group of people. And, right. but it just, it's, it was a painful lesson for me really hard. Julie, yeah. you know, you're a business coach, but I tell you, you are doing some therapy with me and Teresa this morning. <laughs> 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 because we, we so, you know, you're, you're right. You, you have expectations and uh, it's just, it's just something because what I've seen um, once Sometimes that's been painful to watch. You may, somebody may be a really fantastic cook and then they think I'm going to open a restaurant (laughs) and you just see that they don't have processes set in place and you see them flounder and unfortunately many times fail because that hasn't been handled. So. Right. And then on the other side of that, you see it and you want to help, right? You really want to help as a coach or somebody who's open to business or or can see clearly what's wrong. But coaches have such a bad rap right now, like, because so many people are just shysters. They're, you know, these gurus who are selling these false promises. And I find myself working really hard to undo the beliefs that 
really good business owners have on what a coach can do for their business. And so my job becomes extra hard. I'm sure that, that you y'all have seen that as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wow. So how does heavy founder dependence increase employee turnover? <laughs> oh, I love this question. So have you ever worked for a control freak or a micromanager? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how badly did you want to quit? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And especially right. in this market, right. There are so many jobs open. That's so right. like you have to be a really good, strong leader, a, a business that is, has heavy founder dependence that, that founder is, he's a micromanager. He wants to be in control of everything. He's involved in everything. There's no autonomy for the employees. They're not really getting to kind of grow their skill sets and learn more. And so they're far more likely to leave, to go find something better. And plus that if you're heavily, heavily founder dependent, you're never taking a vacation, right? So Mm -hmm. you're always there. You're always bothering them. And you can almost 100% guarantee that there's just not efficiencies or optimization inside of that business either. So it makes it a really undesirable workplace, really undesirable. Mm, Okay. So so does that founder dependence then reduce the value of the business? It really does. Yeah. Um, For a couple of reasons. The first reason being that when you think about So my background is in mergers and acquisitions, right? I spent like 10 years running big um, acquisition teams and we, the most successful acquisitions always worked where the founder of the company was rolled out after, you know, six to 12 months after the, the company was purchased. Um, But when you have somebody who's really a business that's really founder dependent, they want to still control everything after the, after the purchase. And anybody who's interested in acquiring that company is going to see that there's also nothing, if nothing is documented or you have very few things, processes documented, they got to go through all that work, right? Because one of the first things that you have to do when, if you, if somebody is acquiring a company, you can't really reach full revenue recognition until that company is fully integrated in. And in order to integrate it in, you have to know what everybody's role is, what the processes are, all the systems and tools. And if none of that stuff is done, then the acquiring company has to do that work afterwards. And that's an expense for them. So it it reduces the value very quickly of a business when it's heavily founder dependent. Wow. Well, I have to tell you, um, Julie, between the two of us, um, Teresa is the process person. I, when we started this podcast, um, I like to talk to people. I like to write (laughs) that, you know, that's, that's what I was doing. But Teresa's always the one, Lou, we have to have a business plan. We have to have, you know, we have to set up some guidelines. And she's very organized with that. But so talk to us a little bit about why businesses need an up-to-date business plan, because I was very resistant. It's work to do that. But again, Teresa insisted on it. So talk to us a bit about that, why it's needed, the importance. So that's <laughs> most people look at business plans like that, where I think that the common, a very common belief is that if the 
if I'm not going to take on an investor or I don't need to go to a bank to get some funding, I don't need a business plan. But the reality is a business plan is a roadmap. It's a little bit like, think about taking a trip from Richmond to, you know, Portland, Oregon, and you are driving. You need a map to get there. You at least need some sort of idea directionally of where you're going, where you're going to stop. You don't want to run out of gas in the middle of Wyoming, those types of things. Do I even need to go through Wyoming, right? So a business plan is for us, we always consider it a living document. It's the foundation of everything that you're doing and it guides you through how to grow that business, whatever that business is. And we recommend that people look at it every six to 12 months minimally and update it just like you would do strategic planning for your business, like keeping that business plan up to date so that you always know where you're going and that directionally you're heading in the right, you're heading to the right place. Mm, Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about small business disaster preparedness? How, How does one implement that into their business? Yeah. I, this, um, question is always a, this is an interesting one for me because, um, we wrote a book on disaster preparedness, right? This is, this is, this was how we started the pandemic by writing a book on disaster preparedness and realizing that a lot of it has to do with having a really solid foundation for your business. So knowing your business inside and out, that's where I would start. Like look at like this, do a SWOT analysis, right? So look at your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and figure out how you can protect yourself against the weaknesses, how you can take advantage of any opportunities or know what's out there. And then any of the threats and also sort of protecting your strengths. That's the number one thing that, um, I lead with that. I used to lead with on acquisitions was let me know what, tell me what your strengths are so we can protect them so that when we're done with this, there's, they still exist and you still have a strong customer base. Ultimately you want to be able to build plans and they can just be, you know, shells of plans or Teresa for, for you processes, right. To look and say, Hey, when we, if, if by chance, if you have, if a tornado rolls through or you a fire or something, you can pull out a plan, a very high level and say, all right, we've got to communicate to the customers. We've got to communicate to the employees. We need to, you know, check the, you know, let the bank know, let our insurance company know whatever it is. But if you just have it at least at a high level, sort of stepped out the actions that you have to take, you're going to get through it much more efficiently and much quicker. So there's a lot of things that you can do, but I would say if you just start with the bare minimum of just kind of list off like the disasters, I don't think going into 2020, anybody would have listed off a global pandemic as a possibility, but I don't think anyone would miss it now. Right. But what can we do? Yeah. Mm Well, I tell you, Julie, as a former social worker, that makes a lot of sense because I what I used to tell clients was that, you know, you try to come up um, with a plan of action before something happens, because when you're in the thick of it, you're reacting and you're emotional. So if you have that planned out, that's got to be a huge advantage because calmness prevails and people can follow you know, okay, this is what we're, do, we're doing at this stage. So that's uh, very helpful. So what are the top three things a founder can do to reduce dependency on, on them? 
on the so panel. top three things. And um, I think all of them are going to be challenging for someone who is truly like has a very founder dependent business. And a, a good way to, to know if you have a founder dependent business is can you take a vacation and your business is still running and making money, right? So if that can't happen, you don't have a business. You have basically bought yourself a job. So here's what I would say. The top three things are that you can do. First one is document your processes. The second one is delegate. So start to delegate things out. And if you're a solopreneur, then find people that you can outsource things to. Maybe it's as simple as you outsource the content creation for social media, or you, you outsource the editing of your podcast, any delegate something. And then the third thing is take a vacation. So don't think about work, take a vacation. Don't think about work. See how many things are broken when you come back, how many things didn't get done and address those things immediately build processes that allow you to actually next time take a vacation. And you may have to repeat that three or four times. And it doesn't have to be like a week or two week long vacation. You could go for a long weekend and see, right. But a lot of people who can't even step away for four days, if they step away from their business, their business ceases to exist while they're gone. That's not a business. That's a job. So right. you gotta, and you want to get away from that. Right. It's a hard turn to make. It's so hard. And um, I, I empathize with people because it's, yeah. it's when you have been, some people have been in there doing their business for like five or 10 years and they're still in this position. Right. Um, and some of that, Julie, is probably people just, you poured your heart, your soul, your finances, everything into this business. And you just believe nobody's going to care as much as you do. Nobody's (laughs) going to actually work as hard as you do, you know? So a lot of that, I think probably stems from fear. Oh yes, definitely fear-based, fear-based. Interesting. And that's, you know, one of the, um, uh, one of my core beliefs is that no one ever, no one will ever care as much as you do about your business, but nor should they, right? Mm -hmm. But you should have employees who are invested and want you to win as much as you want to win, because if they see opportunity there, then they're going to help you grow that business. And so that all revolves around not being founder dependent. It's tough. It's really tough. Right. Okay. Okay. I like that. So Julie, we've reached the end of questions. This has been, I mean, I could just think of so many more and carry this conversation on for hours, but um, but we've reached the end of the questions that we have prepared um, for this conversation. Are there any things that you would like to uh, leave our listeners with? Um, and be sure to include the, the title of your book and how they can contact you. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that um, the one thing that I would you know leave your listeners with is I don't think there's anything more gratifying or rewarding than being an entrepreneur. It is, you know, we joke, we always say it's, it's hard work. It is. um, But so is being an employee, right? It's, it's hard work. And I don't think running your own business involves any more risk than being a full-time employee someplace and leaving your future in the hands of someone else who at a whim can just decide you're not needed anymore. Right. So you at least get to call the shots in your own business. So I think even though it's, it's high risk, it's high reward. And I would encourage people to go for it. 
Uh, our book is called Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. We picked the longest title we possibly could, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to remember it. The only thing you have to remember is you can everything you need to know about us is on our website at sbpace.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Julie, again, thank you so much for joining us today here on Earrings Off. You provided a wealth of information for our listeners and for us, and we appreciate that. So again, thank you and uh, take good care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.